I'm Banning Air, and you're listening to Season 8 of the Afropop Close-Up Podcast, where we go beyond the music into politics, religion, history, and culture. In this episode, Jamie Stone and Corey Sesnick take us on a fingerstyle guitar journey through the African continent. Here they are with Acoustic Guitar Heroes of Africa. You're listening to George Mukabe, a popular mid-century guitarist and songwriter from Kenya. This song, Sengula Nakupenda, was recorded in 1956 and sold over 100,000 copies in just two years. Hi, my name's Jamie Stone. My good friend Corey and I are working on a project to revive, share, and celebrate African acoustic fingerstyle guitar music. We're passionate about the styles where the composer and performer are one and the same person, and the guitar is used like a tiny orchestra. We hear bass, melody, and rhythm all in one self-contained instrument. This is different from the strumming and flat picking you might hear in other styles. Fingerstyle guitar music in Africa is typically played using just the thumb and index finger. Their independence and coordination is much like a percussionist using two hands to play a drum or a marimba. For me, the initial awakening came when I heard the song Usi Malizi Mali by Willie Mosale off John Storm Roberts' Before Benga compilation. Osali's playing completely knocked my socks off. Ever since, I've been hooked on old Kenyan guitar music, particularly the Omutibo style of the Luyas of the Kakamega region of western Kenya. Omutibo is characterized by bouncy and vibrant rhythms with very strong, syncopated bass lines that weave patterns with an equally syncopated treble line. In 2016, I went to Western Kenya with filmmaker Gonzalo Guajardo to interview some of the remaining players of this stuff, and in particular to try and get some information on Osale. I found out that he was the legendary George Maccabi's brother, and that he apparently lost his left thumb in an accident when he was a boy. Hard to imagine this when you hear his guitar playing. We believe these unsung guitar heroes deserve a wider audience. We want to give these African guitar pioneers an apartment in history, to quote poet and philosopher Robert Bringhurst. The African continent has produced an incredible amount of beautiful music by solo players, hailing from a wide range of places, traditions, and backgrounds. However, much of the music is hard to find and remains siloed away in university archives, personal collections, and defunct record labels. That said, there are a handful of incredible releases by hardworking musical curators and boutique reissue labels. One of our favorites is Mississippi Records. My name is Cyrus Musavi. I'm a filmmaker, music archivist, and run Mississippi Records. George Mukabe, as Peter Okwabi would say, was a giant of Kenyan guitar. I just love the rhythm, the syncopation, and I really like Mukabe's husky voice. You can feel some of the sorrow and pain that 
later we learned was a major part of his life story. Because the music was originally presented with very little context, I became interested in learning more about who this was, how this music developed. Yeah, I think it's important to appreciate the music on its own, but also to listen to it and understand it in context, in context of like late colonial period in Kenya, huge changes in technology and the economy and the effect on rural people who were coming to the city to record the spread of 78 RPM records throughout the countryside because they didn't require electricity and could be used with a hand crank. You can love the music on its own, but you also appreciate it in a different way when you understand the material circumstances and social circumstances it came out of. Let's take a step back and look at the history of some of this music. In the middle of the 20th century, many of these finger styles emerged in multi-ethnic, urban, industrialized communities across Central Africa, like Kinshasa, the mining centers of Katanga, and on the Zambian Copper Belt. Folks played 78s on hand-cranked gramophones and listened to radio broadcasts. Guitars made in South Africa became widely available, and people experimented with new tunings, fingerings, techniques, styles, and languages. To get more information on this, we called up someone with deep knowledge of this music, musician and producer Ben Mandelson. Probably in the late 40s and 50s, instruments themselves were being produced in South Africa that, that were guitar instruments. The two main manufacturers and distributors were Gallotone and Bellini, the legendary Bellini. And those instruments really suited the wandering lifestyle of guitar players who actually went from town to town or village to village or street to street playing and they could really take the hard knocks. I'm going to just quote from the guitar label. I have an old Bellini with me. This instrument is superior to other guitars as it is the arch-type, top-and-bottom swelled cello shape, giving better tone, strength, and longer life. And then big letters, guaranteed not to split. During this period, pioneering ethnomusicologist Hugh Tracy, much like Alan Lomax, covered great swaths of territory, making records in the 1940s and 50s of many players, including Jean Bosco Muenda and George Sibanda. There are some amazing compilations released on SWP records like The Origins of Guitar Music, Southern Congo and Northern Zambia, and Forgotten Guitars of Mozambique. Sibanda, from Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, considered one of Sub-Saharan Africa's first music stars, sang catchy popular songs accompanied by fingerstyle guitar. He influenced many other musicians, including Jean Bosco Mwenda. Let's listen to Sibanda's song, Guabi Guabi. 
After this song made its way to America, many folk musicians covered it, including Arlo Guthrie, Taj Mahal, and Rambling Jack Elliott. First recorded by Hugh Tracy in 1952 in Le Belgian Congo, Jean Bosco Mwenda was, alongside others like Edouard Misango and Lasta Abello, one of the main exponents of the Katanga style, which mixed Latin American rhythms, African popular music, and traditional sounds. Here's musician, writer, and ethnomusicologist Elijah Wald talking about Bosco. I studied with Bosco in 1990. It's actually sort of a funny story because I had written him a letter inquiring whether I could go and study with him. And I'd written it like two or three months before I got to Lubumbashi, but I arrived just around the same time as the letter. And I went to see him. It was not hard. Uh, You just hailed a cab anywhere in Lubumbashi and asked him to take you to Jean Bosco Mwenda's house, Mwenda Wabayeke, as he was then known, and everybody knew. He was a great musician, but he also always had a day job with a bank, and he had all sorts of businesses. He had just bought a hotel on the Zambian border, and he was fixing it up. And he was managing all sorts of young local bands, and he really wasn't performing anymore. He was very influenced, of course, by local music, but also by country-western singing, which he knew from movies. Uh, He remembered seeing singing cowboys in the movies, and he felt like he had sort of taken a country-western style and was using that now to sing his local music. We would be remiss to omit palm wine guitar music from Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, and Liberia an amazing hybrid folk genre that began with encounters between African, Portuguese, and Caribbean sailors in port cities, eventually making its way into the general populace as guitars became more widespread.
In the musical hub that is Mali, manding guitarists like Jelemare Tunkara and Badian Giabate have developed virtuosic solo guitar techniques based on traditional instruments such as the ngoni, kora, and balafon. And we, of course, can't forget the bambara blues of Bubakar Traore or the songrai blues of Ali Farkature, his son Vieux, and Afel Bokum. Here is Bubakar Traore with his song Sagolo. He sings about how though people die, their name lives on, much like a serpent, python, or cobra sheds its skin. To talk about Malian guitar music, we called on Afropop's very own Banning Air. Well, I first went to Mali in 1992 to meet the great griot guitarist Jelimadi Tunkara of the Super Rail Band. Three years later, I went back to live in Bamako and study with him. In those months, I literally could not believe the variety and virtuosity of Mali's fingerstyle guitars. It seemed like every musician of every stripe could play guitar, and the best ones were world-class, stunningly original. I've been listening to and learning from those guitars and many others around the continent ever since, and I don't expect to stop. Madagascar is another indisputable bastion of fingerstyle guitar innovation. Players like Daguerre, Crisanto Zama, Haja, Teta, Dama, and many others have created wondrously beautiful solo recordings featuring highly original approaches to the guitar, replete with strange alternate tunings, polyrhythms, and masterful riffs. Here's Crisanto Zama. composer who holds a special place in our hearts is Daniel Kachamba from Malawi, who passed away in 1987. Aside from the Kwela-inspired music he played with his brother Donald, 
He specialized in creating masterful meditative guitar compositions, stylistically ranging from rumba to semanje manje to heavy 6-8 and more. I've been a passionate devotee of Kachamba ever since I discovered his music on Gerhard Kubik's African solo fingerstyle guitar video. During the pandemic, I embarked on a rabbit hole of a research project to track down recordings of Kachamba, pouring through Dr. Kubik's writings for clues on how and where to source the recordings. I managed to collect enough material from several different archives and personal collections for a future release. Jamie and I have also been hard at work transcribing some of Kachamba's tunes for aspiring guitarists out there. Here's an example of a tune that I've tabbed and notated. What I love about this tune is how he's got a rumba bass line played by the thumb. And an index that provides a driving rhythm. And then a melody that comes up on top. After sending this material to Jamie, who was immediately enthralled by the music, it dawned on us that Kachamba was just the tip of the iceberg. Given that, in addition to Kachamba, we were learning and transcribing tunes by all sorts of other African guitarists, why not zoom out and create something larger? Why not cover the topic of African finger-style guitar music in as many of its forms as possible? We started looking to our elders for ideas and advice. One of the first calls was to Kenya-born guitar enthusiast and researcher John Lowe. I regard African guitar fingerstyles as an element of the world's guitar heritage, every bit as important as American country blues fingerstyles. Following the folk music revival between the 1940s and the 1960s, these American fingerstyles were taken up by thousands of guitarists all over the world in the process helping them to absorb the principles of Afro-American music. In the same way, African guitar fingerstyles need to be recorded, filmed, classified and transcribed. Then they should be taught and played as widely as possible. Without this, there's a real risk that this precious African musical heritage will be lost forever. Our goal is to heed Lowe's words and create an ecosystem around African fingerstyle guitar through which musicians, 
researchers, and music lovers alike can access music being released by labels such as Mississippi Records, SWP Records, and Dust to Digital. Archives such as those found at the British Library or Library of Congress, as well as personal collections and unreleased material accompanied by historical, biographical, and musicological information. In addition, we plan to seek out current practitioners of these solo finger styles to study how and in what context this music is developing and evolving. We also plan to have an educational component to the project, working with current players and local experts in the creation of notation and tablature transcriptions and instructional videos for students of this music the world over. Knowing that we can't possibly take on such a gargantuan task by ourselves, we will be partnering with ethnomusicologists, historians, label managers, researchers, musicians, and organizations such as Afropop to help us realize this dream. In the long run, we hope to align with a larger cultural institution, such as the Library of Congress, to help us have a more meaningful and sustainable impact. If you are interested in contributing to this project in some way, shape, or form, please get in touch with us through Afropop. This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. But to keep this series going, we need your support. Visit afropop.org and make a donation. Every dollar counts. For Afropop Worldwide, I'm Jamie Stone. And I'm Corey Sesnick. (laughs) 